94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Everybody, it is Friday, and this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show is brought to you by nobody, because we don't have sponsors here at 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. As you know, if you're listening live right now, you I'm guessing you assume what's going on right now. This is the Logan Blackman Show. I'm your host, Logan Blackman, on this beautiful Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. Right now in Cedar Falls, Iowa, it is 27 degrees. The high of 28 later today, there's a 0% chance of snow. It was snowing when I left my house this morning, but apparently now there's a 0% chance of it, so that's always good. Wind coming to the north at 10 miles an hour, feels like 16, and the air quality is good. And if you're looking outside today and you're in Cedar Falls, you looked outside, saw very cloudy weather. It's kind of cold, below freezing. It's like, man, this is... I'm tired of this. I don't want cold weather anymore. I just, I, I just want nice weather. Well, let me tell you about this weekend and next week. So, Saturday, tomorrow, 46 degrees and sunny. Sunday, 53 degrees. Yes. Yet we are getting so close to beautiful stuff right now. And then 40, 49, 51, 46, 49. And then next Saturday... 60 degrees. 60 degrees. Goodness gracious, 60 degrees. I cannot, that's, that just gets, I, I have no other words for that. That's just, it just gets me so excited. We are so close to beautiful, nice weather. We can almost taste it. We're a week away from our first 60-degree day of 2020. 60 degrees. Just just envision just the nice, beautiful day uh, wherever you are, whether you're listening here in Cedar Falls, whether you're listening in uh, Des Moines, just state of Iowa, whether it's Illinois, uh, Alabama, California, wherever you're listening, just picture that. Not you people in California and Alabama, but the people in the Midwest, just picture that. 60 degrees. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's perfect. 60 degrees is perfect. It's like, that's our 60s and sunny or 70s and sunny. Just around there is my perfect temperature and most people's perfect temperature. It's what coaches used to say. This is football weather. Light breeze, 60 degrees, partly cloudy. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're not just going to go over the weather today. That's how we usually start the show, but that's not all we're going to talk about today. We got other things to talk about today, so we got some college basketball to talk about. You and I, men's and women's team, play this weekend. I guess the women's team plays tonight, but we're going to count it as this weekend's closer to set, whatever. But the men's team plays their last regular season game of the season against the Drake Bulldogs at the Knapp Center in Des Moines. Sold out Nap Center. You and I's already got a share of the conference tournament, beating SIU in their last game on Wednesday. We'll talk about that game coming up shortly. 
But they do have possession of first place in the Valley. If they win tonight or Saturday, then they lock up first place. They can win the regular season title outright. First time they've done that since 2010, I believe. But if they lose and Loyola wins, then they'll share the conference title with Loyola. Loyola did that last year, I believe, with Drake. Someone did it with Drake. Drake didn't win it outright. They were shared with somebody. I think it was Loyola. Could be wrong, though. Yeah. So they've got the number one seed essentially locked up for the conference tournament. Net rankings are what decides tiebreakers because you and I and Loyola both tied the regular season. Both you and I won at home against Loyola in overtime. Loyola beat you and I at home in overtime. So then we go to the net rankings. You and I has about 50 net rankings higher than Loyola. So we'll have to see if this loss to Drake plummets you and I's net rankings. Loyola's got a tough game tomorrow, too. They're going to Bradley, so they don't have an easy game. They're not playing like Evansville or something. Evansville playing Illinois State, see if they get their first win. Or uh, I I messed up. You and I beat Evansville in the last game. SIU was on Sunday. My bad. Yeah, we'll talk about all that more in detail. Preview the Drake game. We'll also preview the women's game against Valparaiso and also their game coming up on Sunday against Loyola. The Hawkeyes and Cyclones are both in action tomorrow. So those will be very fun games. Joe Lenardi also released his latest bracketology. So we'll look at where he has Iowa and I, uh, not Iowa State, Iowa and UNI, where he has them playing, who they have matched up against, who they could play if they win their matchup, all of that. We also got unit of the week to announce. There was a lot of people that were up for this week's unit of the week. There was a lot of great performances from units all across the world. Most of the United States, but there's good performances from everybody. We got the NFL as well. The combine, the actual testing took place last night. We saw some great performances last night. Sadly, we couldn't see two attack of Viola or Joe Burrow. Neither one of them took place in the took uh, took part in the combine. Joe Burrow just sat out. Tua couldn't participate because he's hurt. But as we said, his hip overwhelming overwhelming amount of positivity coming out for the his medical reports. So we'll see how that goes once we get closer to the draft time if teams want to trade up now or if they want to trade up at the draft. We'll have to wait and see on that. But some wide receivers looked very good. A very talented wide receiver group. Very deep, very talented wide receiver group. But they showed last night. We'll talk about some well, some really good performances from some wide receivers later in the show. We'll also go through the NFL draft, talk about what we think each team will do with their pick or what we're going to go through one through 32 the NFL draft say what each team could do there because we got mock draft one 2.0 coming out on Monday so that'll be very fun I'm excited for that one it's going to be a very fun show on Monday and then for today we've been leading this up for about a week and a half now everyone knew it was coming if you've listened to Logan Blackman show for that amount of time then you've known this is coming MLS 2020 season preview MLS 2020 season preview yes yes now the funny thing about this MLS 2020 preview is that it's the 25th season of the MLS starting all the way back in 1995-96 96 season and we are in the 25th season now, as I just said. This is the Logan Blackman Show's 50th show of the year. 
of the of my senior year, this is the 50th show. So 25th season of the MLS, 50th show of the year, just meant to be. You just had to do the prediction show on the 50th show. It just had it just made sense. It just made sense. So let me give it away to Hans Zimmer with his MLS anthem for the 2020 season. Take it away, Hans. Hello, I'm Hans Zimmer. It is an honor to create the new anthem for Major League Soccer as part of its 25th season celebration. With this composition, I try to give fans and the players a feeling of anticipation, drama and excitement. Everything that makes this game so unique and special. Here it is. just get you pumped up for the 2020 season i am pumped for this year now last friday i rocked my sporting kansas city jersey my all black sporting kansas city look that i had going on now last friday but today so before class normal people or usually not normal people just people in general like to shower before they go to class so around nine o'clock i had a class at 10 so around nine get out of bed Decide I'm going to go hop in the shower, get ready for class. As most people do. But as I walked into the shower, it was one of the coldest things I ever did. And one of the coldest showers I've had in a while. I had some freezing cold showers back at William Penn. There was a couple times throughout the semester where the water, pre- where the water temperature shot way down. Basically icicles hitting your face and body when you're taking a shower. So I stepped in the shower for about two seconds, got out... And said, nope, 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 nope. I am just going to throw on some sweats and go to class. Threw on some sweats, threw on a hat, went to class. So I didn't throw on a jersey today. Was planning on it, but I would like to shower if I'm wearing a jersey. So I just got all my, just some sweatpants and a sweatshirt and a hat. Nothing special. I do, I don't like feeling like this. I don't like going to class and not shower. It makes me feel weird, but... You know what? Whatever. It's better than that than taking a freezing cold shower. So I'm going to take a shower after this show because, yeah. But that's why I'm not rocking my sporting jersey. I'll be rocking it tomorrow because we got a game tomorrow against Vancouver Whitecaps. That should be a very fun game. But before we dive in to the meat and potatoes of this MLS 2020 preview, let's talk about the inaugural season of the MLS. The 1996 MLS regular season. Season, the inaugural season, 
It was also the 84th season of FIFA-sanctioned soccer and the 18th with the National First Division League in the United States and Canada. Now, in the first MLS season, so right now in the MLS, we got 26 teams. Two new teams in Nashville and Miami will be making their debuts this year. We also got uh, Austin's team. Austin, Texas is getting a team next year. Uh, hopefully Des Moines gets one. We move the menace up to the MLS. Build a soccer-specific stadium. That'd be kind of fun. But it'd be hard, though, because I have I have ties to sport in Kansas City, so I couldn't. it'd be hard to throw away my ties like that. But back to the inaugural season. So the D.C. DC United won the first-ever MLS Cup, the most storied franchise in the MLS, D.C. United. D.C. United and the L.A. Galaxy, two staples of the MLS, been faces of the league forever. D.C. United has seen a lot less success as of late than the LA Galaxy had, but when the MLS was first started, DC United was the dominant team. DC United was awesome. DC United, growing up, now I'm guessing a lot of you, if you're soccer fans, can relate to me on this. DC United was like the hipster team to like in the MLS because that was the team Freddie Adu was on. Everybody knew Freddie Adu. So there was a lot of DC United fans. I never had a DC United jersey or shirt or anything, but. You would see him on the cover of Sports Illustrated Kids all the time because he's an actual kid. He was like 14 years old when he got drafted. So the expectations were extremely high, so everybody liked D.C. United. They are also very good at the time, so it was just easy to like. In L.A. Galaxy, once they got David Beckham, that's when popularity started shooting straight up with the MLS. I myself had a David Beckham L.A. Galaxy jersey. Well, it was kind of a – it was an L.A. Galaxy-themed jersey – but everything on the jersey said Beckham. So I had 23 and Beckham on the back. Instead of their sponsor, which I think was Herbalife at the time, it's, or it still might be that, said Beckham. The logo, instead of saying Galaxy, said Beckham in the low. I think it had a 23 in there. It was a sweet jersey, but it wasn't like an official LA Galaxy jersey. But everybody wanted that. The David Beckham, most recognized pl- player in the world at the time. Are, it's kind of a crime that he hasn't had a Ballon d'Or, didn't have a Ballon d'Or when he played for Manchester United because he was so dominant then with his ball-crossing abilities, the bend-it-like-Beckham, the free-kick abilities, just the flair, everybody, the Manchester United number seven. Should have had one in 99, but sadly did not get that when they won the treble. But back to <laughs> back to the MLS with DC United, LA Galaxy, the staples of their other teams around the league in the first-ever MLS season were the Tampa Bay Mutiny, who actually won the Supporters' Shield in the first year of the MLS, getting 58 points. They lost 12 games, won 19. Supporters' Shield, for those of you who don't know, if you were in any other league in Europe, or any other league in the world, pretty much, you would have won the league. So the Tampa Bay Mutiny, if they were like in the Premier League, or the or La Liga, or Syria, or Ligue 1, or whatever, they would have won the league. But since we're Americans, we like the playoff system, so they didn't win the league, but they honor the supporter shield winners but it's not anywhere as big as mls cup the mls cup is that means you're the champion supporter shields like a little here you go you were the best team in the regular season here's a trophy or a shield it's not a trophy so the tampa mutiny who are not a team anymore folded in, i think t- 2002 or something like that not a team but they were the best team in the mls at the time played in raymond james stadium which is the tampa Bay buccaneers stadium also winning their conference with the eastern western conference as usual, the LA Galaxy won the Western Conference with 49 points, losing 13 games, winning 15. 
and had four shootout wins. And if you did not know this, the MLS, when it had penalty shootouts, it wasn't like typical penalty shootouts where you go from the 18-yard spot, place the ball down, or not 18 yards. Yeah, yeah, about that. Put the, no, that just seems weird. No, it's not right. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, well, don't. I'm not confident in that answer now. Now I'm starting to doubt myself, so we're just going to move on. Instead of placing the ball down in that spot in the penalty area, taking a shot like that, they did it like the NHL, where you start at the halfway mark, move forward, goalie could come out a little bit, and you try to beat the goalie that way. So that's how they did the shootouts back then in the MLS. Go look at some of the MLS highlights from like the early days. Watch some penalty shootouts because they are freaking awesome and really hilarious to see them what they did because it's you just don't see it. You see it in the NHL, you don't see it anywhere else. You see, it, you saw it in the MLS, and then that was it. Like the first however many years they did this, but that was how like, it was awesome. So I really recommend go looking up some MLS penalty shootout. Highlights, because they're really not penalty shootouts. They're just shootout highlights. <laughs> it's like in, just the same thing as hockey, but just with a ball at your feet instead of a stick and a puck. So yeah, LA Galaxy won the Western Conference. DC United, the MLS Cup champs in 1996, came second in the Eastern Conference with 46 points. New York slash New Jersey Metro Stars came third with 39 points. Now, if you don't know, recognize that team. That is now the New York Red Bulls of the MLS now. New York, New Jersey Metro Stars played in the Giant Stadium. Now, that's known as MetLife Stadium. That's the former stadium, Giant Stadium at the Meadowlands. Now they play at MetLife Stadium. It was like right next to each other. But Giant Stadium was the original one. So they don't play in what they played in now. Whatever, we'll move on from that. <laughs> now they got their own stadium in New Jersey. It's a cool stadium, Red Bull Arena. Very cool stadium. Fourth place in the Eastern Conference was the Columbus Crew, who have the oldest soccer-specific stadium in the MLS. Now, they didn't play in that specific stadium in the first year of the MLS. They actually played in the Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes Stadium. So, that's, yeah. They played in the Buckeyes Stadium, but right now they have the oldest stadium in the MLS for soccer-specific stadiums. They are going to get a new stadium in 2021. So, it'll be sad to see that stadium go. I think it's Matt Fire Stadium, I think is the name of the stadium. It's going to be weird seeing that stadium go. In the fifth place in the Eastern Conference was the New England Revolution, who played in Foxborough Stadium, now known, well, not now known because it's a different stadium, but Gillette Stadium is where the New England Patriots, New England Revolution play now. Back then, Foxborough Stadium, that was the Drew Bledsoe era of the New England Patriots in the early Tom Brady era, Foxborough Stadium. Other stadiums around the MLS we had, so I was... Tampa Mutiny eventually moved into Raymond James Stadium, but at first they played in the Sombrero in Tampa, or as known as Hallie Hines Stadium, which is where the Bills lost the Giants in the Super Bowl. The Sombrero Stadium is what it was basically called. You had Spartan Stadium, which is where the San Jose Clash played, which is now the San Jose Earthquakes, Chris Wondolowski's team. The Kansas City Wiz then known as the Wiz, transformed into the Wizards, now known as Sporting Kansas City, played in Arrowhead. The Dallas Burn, now known as FC Dallas, played in the Cotton Bowl. The LA Galaxy played the Rose Bowl. And the Colorado Rapids, who are, out of all the teams in the Western Conference, one of two teams that still have that name, the Colorado Rapids played in Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado. So we had some... 
old stadiums. They played some big stadiums. In the first year of the MLS, you're playing in these monster stadiums. It's going to be hard to generate a lot of fan base, like not a very good fan base. So when the LA Galaxy, they led the league in attendance. Game average attendance is 28,000, which is about what they get now. But in a 100,000-seat stadium or 90,000-seat stadium, that doesn't look like a lot. So when the MLS first started, you can imagine there were a lot of growing pains with the capacity of the stadiums because there were a lot of big stadiums. San Jose Clash, probably the smartest people in that regard with 30,000-seat stadium. And D.C. United played in RFK Stadium, which they played in RFK Stadium until like three years ago when Audi Field got built, which is now where they play now when the D.C. Defenders and the XFL play. So, yeah, RFK, it's where they played for their entire existence, minus the past two years, I think, two or three years. So, yeah, but going looking at the Western Conference, we went over the standings of the Eastern Conference. We just went over the stadiums of the Western. Dallas Burn, now known as FC Dallas, came second with 41, tied with Sporting Kansas City or Kansas City Wiz, with 41 points, but we're above them on goal differential, the plus two goal differential, the sporting or the Kansas City Wiz minus two. It's so weird to call them that. And the San Jose Clash came fourth and had 39 points with Colorado Rapids coming last with 29 with a minus 15 goal differential. Not great. Minus 15 goal differential is not is not ideal. It's it's not ideal. In the MLS Cup playoffs, Tampa Bay Mutiny. Played the Columbus Crew, beat them four to one on aggregate. DC United beat the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars two to one on aggregate. The first game going to penalties with the Metro Stars winning that one, but DC coming back winning the second game and going on to beat Tampa in the conference finals or in the yeah the conference finals four to two or four to one in the first game, two to one in the second game to move on and then. Oh, it's not on aggregate. Okay, it's just like a normal playoff series. Like, okay, never mind. I was thinking of it like the Champions League and stuff like that. This was actually a best of three series. So we had Tampa Bay beating Columbus 2-0. Columbus beating Tampa 2-1, then Tampa Bay beating Columbus 4-1. And then D.C. United tying the first game, but giving it to New York with uh, game one on penalties. Beat them in game two, beat them in game three. To move on to the conference finals to beat Tampa Bay. The L.A. Galaxy beat the San Jose Clash. Two games to one, and the Kansas City Wiz beat the Dallas Burn two games to one as well, with the LA Galaxy beating Kansas City Wiz two games to one, winning the last game on a shootout, penalty shootout, in that one to go face DC United in the first ever MLS Cup final, with the DC United coming away after extra time, winning three to two. Now the two most historic franchises in the MLS beat each other played each other in the MLS Cup final makes perfect sense and they won the MLS Cup on golden goal so instead of playing like a normal extra time period where each team goes and scores you get just play it like play an extra half pretty much two more halves so it's just short shorter halves and stuff like that but no this is where they played golden goal so they're playing a lot of things differently in this Pope gets the winner in the 94th minute to give D.C. United MLS Cup. And they also did it like the Super Bowl. So they played it at Foxborough Stadium. The first ever MLS Cup was played at Foxborough Stadium. Now, when you look at the MLS Cup final, they play at the better team's home stadium. It's like the World Series, NHL, Stanley Cup, stuff like that. The NBA Finals played at the best team stadium first. Well, I guess it's just a one-off game, but... Unlike the Super Bowl where they go to a different location, they had college football playoff, go to a different location, stuff like that. Played it 
Yeah, I can't, I can't explain it any more than that. And in the first season of the MLS, Carlos Valderrama from the Tampa Bay Mutiny won the most valuable players, one of the most storied signings in MLS history, like the first big signing of MLS. Ryan Lassiter got 58 points, was a scoring champion for the Tampa Bay Mutiny. John Doyle for the San Jose Clash won Defender of the Year. Mark Dodd for the Dallas Burn won Goalkeeper of the Year. Steve Ralston won the Rookie of the Year for the Mutiny. Thomas Rongen won the Coach of the Year for the Mutiny as well. And Eric Wynalda got Coach or Goal of the Year while playing for the San Jose Clash. Roy Lassiter led the league in scoring with 27 goals. Uh, Raul Diaz-Arce came second with 23 goals for D.C. United. And Eduardo Hurtado had 21 for the L.A. Galaxy. So that is the first ever season of the MLS. And it's kind of weird looking back then with only 10 teams. And now we look at us now with 26 teams. Two new teams coming in this year. Got more teams coming in the future. So we're going to take a quick little break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back, talk about the 2020 season preview. 25th season of the MLS. Talk about that coming up right after this.
Listen, my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction around. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Putting off all that homework until the night before is a college student's way of life. Waste your time with us. Log on to uni.edu slash KULT. Come on, we know you're on Facebook 10 hours a day. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Star Wars song ever. If you say otherwise, you're just you're just wrong. I'm sorry. There's no Star Wars song that matches Duel of the Fates. It just doesn't happen. You can't it can't happen. It's like one of the best things in episode one, or not one of the best the best thing in episode one. I love episode one. I know it's a bad movie, but I enjoy watching it, okay? That, if that doesn't make sense, I'm sorry, but I enjoy watching it. I, it's not a good movie at all, but I really enjoy watching it. So you got the pod racing. Now this is pod racing. That, that's what I enjoy. Just the little tiny stupid things that don't make any sense. I love it. Love it. Episode one and two, easily the worst Star Wars movies ever, but... Love those two. <laughs> love them. Absolutely love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. And when that first Star Wars movie came out, that was around the first time of the MLS starting up. I think the episode one came out in 99. Sounds right, 98, 99, somewhere around there. First MLS season, 96. So we're, we're in the new era of sport and movie. <laughs> we were making movements in sports and movie that we've never seen before. But yeah. So as you heard, if you listened to the last what half hour of the Logan Blackman show, we talked about the first ever season of the MLS, who won the league, what the standings were, where they played, the number of teams, all of that great stuff. And now, before we dive into the MLS 2020 season preview, this year first first half hours reminder go follow the logan blackman show and all the social media accounts the lb underscore at the underscore lb underscore shows the logan blackman show twitter account go follow it on instagram as well the logan blackman show on instagram go like the facebook page so search logan blackman show on facebook and go follow the spotify account 
Got it all on Spotify now. We got the last, I think, what, four episodes on Spotify? Four or five episodes? So go follow the Spotify account. Because everyone has Spotify. So it made more sense to do a Spotify account than a SoundCloud account. So go and listen to the Spotify. I would highly recommend it. I'm not biased or anything. Just I would just recommend it. That's all I'm going to say about the matter. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. So let's dive right in. Before we get off topic again, and just go right into the 2020 MLS season preview. Cannot wait. 2020 MLS season preview. It's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fantastic season. So let's go over the week one matchups for the MLS. We got a lot of good matchups coming up this weekend starting tomorrow. DC United, the first ever champions of the MLS. Makes sense they got the first game of the new season, taking on the Colorado Rapids, two original MLS franchises. You know how hockey does the original six? Well, these two are part of the original 10 franchise, and they have the exact same names that they had back then. Logos have changed slightly, but still the same exact team. Tomorrow at noon for that one, we got the Montreal Impact taking on the New England Revolution at two. Houston Dynamo and the LA Galaxy. If, if you followed the MLS for a while now, these two teams though they're probably the complete opposite of each other in regards to draw and free agents for all sports and just draw in what you view as a big city, even though Houston is a massive city, they are heat, They were heated rivals in the mid-2000s. They were constantly playing each other in MLS Cups with the LA Galaxy coming out on top more than not. But these two, big-time rivals in that sense, both have had different stretches of success in the MLS. LA Galaxy, again, like we talked about with DC United, one of the most historic franchises in MLS. Houston Dynamo, well-known franchise. I wouldn't say they're not anywhere as historic as the other two franchises that I've mentioned, but these two teams met a lot in the MLS Cup Finals over the years. They play tomorrow at 2.30. San Jose Earthquakes hosting the Toronto FC. Michael Bradleys and Josie Altidores at 4.30 tomorrow. FC Dallas, or the Dallas Burn, whatever you want to call them, are taking on the Philadelphia Union at 5. Orlando City SC are taking on Real Salt Lake. Nashville, in their first ever game in MLS, are taking on a former expansion team in Atlanta United. We're going to talk about uh, Nashville in Miami and what we expect in their first season before we dive into the full-blown East-West standings, playoffs, awards, whatever. And the final game tomorrow, my sporting Kansas City are taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps on the road. See if they can take down Vancouver, who had a very poor season last year. Sporting Kansas City also had a poor season, but we're expecting bigger things out of Sporting Kansas City going into this upcoming season. And we're moving on to Sunday, the Columbus Crew taking on NYCFC at 11.30. The New York Red Bull is taking on Last season's expansion team in FC Cincinnati at 12 tomorrow, or on Sunday. Seattle Sounders taking on the Chicago Fire at 2 on Sunday. LAFC, another former expansion team, taking on Inter-Miami at 4.30 on Sunday. And Portland Timbers versus Minnesota United will be closing out the first weekend of action in the MLS starting at 6.30. So we have got, as I said, we got two new expansion franchises in Nashville and Inter-Miami. David Beckham's Inter-Miami is... Got a lot of hype going into the season because, again, it's David Beckham's team. So, like, okay, one of the most famous, one of the most easily recognizable faces in all of soccer, just sport in general. Everybody knows who David Beckham is. Some watched it, know him mostly from his 
playing days. Others know him from outside of the soccer, knowing, oh, my God, he's so attractive. But he sounds like he's got a very high-pitched voice. It's very, it's very weird to listen to him talk. But everybody knows the Beckhams. So Inter-Miami got a lot, is going to get a lot of draw from a lot of people around the world. Antoine Griezmann, one of the best players in the world, not really this year, but over the past few years, one of the best players in the world, has said if David Beckham comes calling, he will play for Inter-Miami, has expressed interest in playing for Inter-Miami. Ronaldo has talked about he wants to end his career in the MLS. Inter-Miami would be a big draw for Ronaldo. Messi, another one there. Neymar has been talking about it as well. So Inter-Miami is going to get a lot of pull. They're in Miami, South Beach, David Beckham. Like, very, very much are going to be a big draw for free agents. And just for people, just for players in general who want to make the switch over to Inter-Miami. And then you've got Nashville. Nashville, to its credit, has gotten some decent players this offseason. Got Walker Zimmerman, a very big name a very big name trade they got from LAFC stirs up their defense going very defensive this year is uh Nashville but Nashville and regard in comparing the two franchises Inter Miami and Nashville they have nowhere near as much pull as Inter obviously that is neat, that goes without saying pretty much where would you rather go Nashville or Inter now or uh, Miami Nashville or Miami now some people might want to say Nashville because they're big country music fans this the the hub of country music is in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. You got the Tennessee Titans there. You got the Nashville Predators. Now you got Nashville SC. I don't care for any of those teams. I actually hate the Predators, so hopefully I don't turn around hating Nashville. But I very well could. They might be start becoming a rival of Sporting Kansas City. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, you know, it's whatever. We'll wait and see if... uh if I'm really going to start hating them or not. Hopefully not, because they seem like a pretty cool franchise. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. And like the Nashville Predators, it doesn't really make sense where their division is. Like, the Nashville Predators are in the Central. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Nashville SC is in the Western Conference. That don't really make a lot of sense. At least to me, I don't know if it does to other people, but to me it doesn't. But if you look at the other teams in the league... It's about as Western as you can get for looking at the Eastern Conference teams. It doesn't really get much West, more West than Nashville. It's, it's You don't want to unbalance the team, the conferences at 14 in the East, 12 in the West. That's not, that's not what we're going for here. But for their, for their first seasons, are we expecting them to be like Atlanta, be like LAFC, or are we expecting them to be crap like SC Cincinnati last year? Because FC Cincinnati had one of the worst expansion seasons, or first seasons in MLS, than, that I've ever seen. Last season, they had a grand total of 24 points. That is 10 points less than the next closest team. They had a minus 44 goal differential. They allowed 75 goals and scored 31. They had a minus 44 goal differential. Minus 44. Good Lord, that is 20 le- 22 less than the next closest team. They won six games. They lost 22 games last year. Like, sometimes you can get away with winning a, a low amount of games because you tie a lot of games. They lost 
22 games. They won three games at home. They had the exact same record at the home as they had away. They are not a good... If you want to talk about expansion franchise, that is not the gold standard of expansion franchise. That's not what you want to go like, oh, yes, I want to be like them. No. That is not what you want to do in your first season. You want to be like the Vegas Golden Knights going to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's like the dream for most expansion franchises. You want to be like, oh, I want to be the best team in the league. Like LAFC, when they first came in, they came third in the Western Conference. They had a very good season. Their first ever season, Atlanta came fourth. And then shortly after, LAFC, the very next year, was the best team in the league. And then Atlanta won an MLS Cup and has been at the top of the MLS for ever since they've been in the league. You do not want to try and walk into the league and be like FC Cincinnati. Gross uniforms, gross team. You just don't want to be like that. So for Nashville and Inter, I hope they can be good enough teams. Inter is obviously expected to have the better team this year. Most people are gravitating towards going like, oh yeah, Inter-Miami is going to be a better team than Nashville. But both teams, they, they'll have their struggles, as most expansion teams do in their first ever season of existence. It's not always super easy going into a league and dominating right away. It's very rare that happens. You have more chances to go like FC Cincinnati than you do having an LAFC where in first year you come third and then the next year you're the best team in the league. That's not realistic. That's what everybody wants. But how realistic is that? Not really. So with that being said, let's dive straight in headfirst to our MLS 2020 season preview. So we'll start off in the Eastern Conference. We'll start off at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Last place, FC Cincinnati. Doesn't need a lot of explaining to do. They're still going to be the worst team in the league. Or in the, at least in the Eastern Conference. We would fully expect them to come at least last. At best, they'll probably finish 11th. That's my best for FC Cincinnati. They're just not a good team. You cannot... It's very rare to come last than vastly improve your team the season before. Everybody knows that. But it's even harder when you're as bad as FC Cincinnati was last year. 24 points. Minus 44 goal differential. It is very hard to improve on that going into the next season. It is going to be a very... Very hard thing to do going into this season. But you never know. They could have uh, an amazing second season. Could have an amazing, amazing, amazing second season. Now, they did get CM DeYoung from Ajax this past uh, this recent offseason. See how he does coming into a new season. He's going to be the main guy, the main focal point of this team. They also had Joe Gayu, who's had a lot of hype around his career when he started at uh, Borussia Dortmund and then kind of went downhill a little bit. So we'll see how he does. Jurgen Lokadia, from he used to play for PSV, played over in England for a little bit. Now he comes over to the FC Cincinnati team. He'll be a big focal point as well. Kakuta Mena, very fast player. See how he does with FC Cincinnati this year. So uh, overall, it's just going to be another tough season. They've got some better players than they did last year, but... It's still going to be a tough one. So right now, have them coming last. I think they will be a tiny bit improved off last season because it's hard to it's hard to be worse than 24 points in a minus 44 goal differential. 
It's very hard to do that. So I expect them to be better. But that being said, that's like the Browns saying the Browns are going to be better after going one and fifteen or zero and sixteen. Like you can only go up from there. You can't go down further. And if you do, we might just have to move you back to the U.S. Uh, the USL or USHL, not USHL. Uh, what is the other soccer league called? I'm completely blanking right now. But we just got to move you down to the tier below. Because if you can't, you can't be doing that bad again. Uh, number 12 in the Eastern Conference, we got the Chicago Fire. Now, Spencer, big time Chicago Fire fan. <laughs> big time. Now, they did, one big thing they did lose this offseason was Nico Gaitan um, left this past offseason. He was a big player for them. He, obviously, he's he's been he was linked to Manchester United for like, I don't know, like 10 years. It, that's what it felt like, at least. You lost him, so now your creativity is going to go down a little bit, obviously. So that's a big one. You lost Bastian Feinsteiger as well as some experience. He was getting older. He retired, but he still had that leadership quality. Dax McCarty, another leader on the franchise, left town. I think he went down. He went to Nashville. Nashville. So we'll see how he does there. But those are three very, very, very big losses. So we'll see how Robert Barich does in his first season as the main guy in the starting line. They got Calvo at defensive at center back. Jonathan Bornstein's there, veteran in the veteran in the game. Their goal goaltender, Kronholm. We'll see how he does, but it's just not going to be a fun season for the Chicago Fire. They're starting a rebrand. They're going to the they're going to Soldier Field, leading Toyota Park. So we'll see how they do there, but it's just not. It's going to be a tough season for them. We all know that going in. They got CJ Sapong, so I don't know. It's just going to be a hard season for Chicago Fire. I would love to see them do better than what they're going to do this year, but they're just not a good team. It's going to be hard. Number 11, we got the Montreal Impact. Now, again, they got Thierry Henry coming in as the head coach. Thierry Henry has not had a lot of success as a coach. So... We'll see how he does over in the MLS. Uh, Patrick Vieira had a lot of success while playing over or coaching NYCFC, eventually got to move to France with Nice. But we'll have to wait and see how Thierry, Thierry Henry does in his first season. They lost Daniel Lovitz, and they lost Ignacio Piatti, who is arguably their greatest ever player, Ignacio Piatti, which is weird to see him gone. And Daniel Lovitz, who is a U.S. international, one of the best left backs in the MLS, went to Nashville – so, it's just going to be a down... It's, I would expect it to be another down year for... Or not another down year, but just a down year in general for the Montreal Impact. See how Bojan does? He got added last summer. See how he does in his second season in the MLS. Former Barcelona player, former Stoke City player. So, we'll see how he does there. But, yeah, just a, I feel like 11th place is realistic for the Montreal Impact. Moving to 10th place in the Eastern Conference, going to Orlando City FC or Orlando City SC, whatever you want to call it. Now they got Nani there, who is their captain now, which still feels weird that Nani is a captain of anything. Watching him play for Manchester United, it just didn't seem like captain material. Now, Dom Dwyer, he's had a disappointing career ever since moving from Sporting Kansas City to Orlando City. Well, got his move back to Orlando via, via trade. Sporting never replaced him, which was really stupid. They also lost Sasha, they lost Sasha Kletchden 
former U.S. international, one of the best players MLS has had in years. So we'll see how they do without him. But yeah, right now, the goaltending's weak. I just, it's just not going to be a fun season again for Orlando. They didn't have a great season last year. They finished 11th, 22nd overall, missed the playoffs. But yeah, they got Pedro Galisi. See if he shores up the goaltending stuff because Brian Rowe is not a good goalkeeper. Played a little bit for the LA Galaxy for a while, but now he's just not a good goalkeeper. So hopefully Pedro Galisi shores up the goaltending spot because that's been a problem for them ever since they've come back to MLS. So we'll see how he does there, but right now Orlando finishing 10th. Number nine, New York Red Bulls. Missing the playoffs again. They lost to legends of the franchise. And Bradley Wright, well, actually three, three legends. I was just including Luis Robles and Bradley Wright Phillips. But Kamar Lawrence as well, the extremely, the, the I don't know what to call it. It's just extremely fast fullback that they had at left back. Insane, insane speed. He went over to Anderlecht this offseason. Bradley Wright Phillips. One of the greatest strikers in MLS history is gone. They retired his number, but nobody was going to wear number 99. So he didn't really need to retire it. And Luis Robles, they're arguably their greatest ever player. Him and Bradley Wright Phillips are their two greatest ever players, you would say. Terry Henry, obviously, is going to be mentioned up there. But if you're talking about longevity, those two, especially Luis Robles, that's a big loss. That is a massive loss. So how to replace them? We'll have to wait and see. Now, they got one of the former MLS defenders of the year. One of the He is the best defender the U.S. men's national team has, along with John Brooks and Aaron Long. They got Tim Parker at center back as well, so their defense is solid. But I'm interested to see how Ryan Mira does in goal this upcoming season. I'm interested to see who's going to score the goals for the New York Red Bulls this year. Right now, it looks like Brian White's going to be leading the line for Orlando. So... It's just going to be a weird year. It's just going to be a weird year for the New York Red Bulls. They finished sixth last year, so right now I think ninth is a realistic expectation for them this year with losing some key players there. Now, I could see them flip-flopping with number eight that I have next, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Number eight is Inter-Miami. Now, they're just one spot out of the playoffs, so or unless the MLS playoffs changed a little bit. Now that there's more teams, maybe they add the eighth seed in there. But as of last year, they've had only seven teams make the playoffs. So we'll see if that changes. But the first ever year for Inter-Miami. Now they got some key players. Luis Robles, the as we said, former New York Red Bulls goalie. Their captain, vocal leader, legend of the franchise is now with Inter. So that's going to be – it's going to be a nice get. That's a very nice get. Will Trapp from Columbus Crew is a very good get – as well experienced MLS player, not a great player, but experienced. Got Lee Wynn, legend of the New England Revolution for many years. Got traded over to the to LAFC. Blanked a little bit. They got Juan Algadello as well, another experienced player in the MLS. Played with the New England Revolution for a while. U.S. international for a fair bit as well. They got some good players. They got some good players. They got Rodolfo Pizarro. Uh, that's their major statement. So according to MLS.com, Miami made their major statement by snapping up arguably the most talented Mexican playing player in Liga MX, securing the playmaker in a blockbuster transfer from current Mexican, Mexican champions, Monterey. He is going to be the main focal point of this team. I think they're going to have 
a nice little first season. Now, I don't know if playoffs are in their future or in this season, but I think eighth place in the Eastern Conference is a very solid get for your first ever season. You're not coming last. You're not pushing for MLS Cup glory this year, but I think eighth place is a very nice spot for you guys. Going into the playoffs, we got the New England Revolution at the seven seed Bruce Arena, who Jermaine Jones slated a couple weeks ago. Former U.S. men's national team coach is starting to find his feet again in the MLS with the New England Revolution. Carlos Gil was last season's MLS Newcomer of the Year. Very talented player. Former Aston Villa player. Very talented, talented player. He's A lot of people are expecting him to lead the league in assists this year. So we'll see how New England does this year. Goalkeeper, interesting situation there. Don't know how good their goaltenders are. See who will score the goals for them this year. So we'll have to see how that goes. But right now, I think seventh place for New England Revolution is very Fair. Number six, D.C. United making the playoffs. Lost Wayne Rooney and Luciano Acosta. They're two best players from the past few years. Losing those two is uh, is very big. But they got Ola Camaro and they got Ben he- Ben Hamid back. They He went over to, where did he go? Midgetland, I think, over in Denmark. Came back on loan, now signed again. They got Julian Gressel from Atlanta United as well. Very good get there. So we'll see how they replace those two in Rooney and Acosta because they're very hard to to replace. But Kamara, proven MLS goal scorer with the LA Galaxy and the Columbus crew, very talented player. Steve Birnbaum, former U.S. international as well. Gressel, again, great get for getting Gressel. Brilliant at center back as well. Him and Birnbaum have made a very good partnership at center back for the past years. Paul Ariola is coming off an injury. Emmanuel Boateng provides a lot of speed on the outside as well. So I think the sixth seed for DC United is where they will end up. Moving up to five, we got the Columbus Crew. MLS.com saying do not sleep on the Columbus Crew this season. Last year they finished 10th. I think fifth going into the season will be good. They got Darlington Nagby, got him back in his hometown, went to college at Akron. So now he's back in Columbus. Jayasti Zardes, who struggled a little bit last year, but... Getting Lucas Zalarian gets a playmaker behind there for replacing Federico Higuain, who's been a staple of the Columbus crew for many, many years. So we'll see how they do going into this season. They also got Fernando Adi from FC Cincinnati. He's a, not really as much last year, but played very, very well in Portland for many, many years under Caleb Porter, who's the head coach of the Columbus crew. See how he does in his first year, losing the likes of... Uh, Will Trap, Higuain on paper are big, but they re- they've replaced them very well. Well, with Zalarian and Nagby, those are very two very very good players. Uh, Valenzuela coming back of a torn ACL from last year will be back and fully healthy at left back. So led that young left back up the wing. It'll be a fun season for Columbus Crew, I would think. I would think it's going to be a fun season. Like they said, don't sleep on them. They may have come tenth last year, but fifth place. And it's a very solid pick right there. Like I don't know why. It's like I'm I'm like a feeling I'm like on family feud. I'm like backing up my hands. Like, oh, good answer. That's a good pick, Logan. Well, yeah, it's a good pick. I, I picked it. Of course I'm gonna think it's a good pick. Duh. Uh number four, we have the Philadelphia Union. Now, this is a T I could see them flipping flopping flip flopping places with the Columbus crew. Last season, they came third in the East, fifth overall in the league. They got eliminated in the Eastern Conference semifinals by Atlanta 
last year. Now they got Alejandro Bedoya, who was a U.S. for again former U.S. international, very key part of that U.S. men's national team for quite a for a few years. Played over in Nantes, over in France for a little bit. Played very well over there. So he's he's got some tallies. The captain of the team. We'll see how they do this year. They did lose C.J. Sapong this offseason as well, but they got one of the best, if not the best goaltender in the MLS in Andre Blake. I think he's the best goalie in the MLS. I think it was him and Zach Steffen from the Columbus crew, but losing Zach Steffen, which we didn't talk about in the last one. I don't know why we mentioned didn't mention that, but I guess he was technically a lone player there last year. Now off over in Europe playing for, oh, who's he playing for? Who is he playing for? It's a red team. But I can't remember. It's in the Bundesliga, officially for Man City. But Andre Blake now has taken over that mantle as the best goaltender in the MLS. That security in the back makes it very easy for the rest of the team. He's just a very, very talented goalkeeper. The Jamaican play. I remember when he first started playing, he played Sporting Kansas City and the U.S. Open, US Open Cup. So that's how I first heard about him. And then now he's just become the better and better and better better every single year he's gone on. So that provides a lot of stability in the back. So right now I have them in fourth in the MLS, in the top three in the MLS for the Eastern Conference. I think they're very simple. Uh, The third seed, I have Toronto FC, one of the best franchises in the 2010s. They've been a face of the MLS for at least the past 10 years. They had some great players along the way. Dwayne De Rosario is a legend in MLS for both DC United and Toronto. You have the likes of Josie Altidore, Michael Bradley still there, and you got Alejandro Puzello, their playmaker replacing Sebastian Giovinco, who went over to uh, either Saudi Arabia or Qatar. I can't remember which one. But those three are very, very, very big guys. Paolo Biotti, uh, he was like their... their it's like their only real signing they made this offseason. We'll see how he does there on the left wing. As according to MLS.com, he's projected to be their left wing. But again, Altidore, Puziello, Bradley, Omar Gonzalez, Mar- Justin Morrow. They went to MLS Cup final last year, lost to Seattle Sounders again. I think they've been to three MLS Cups this decade. So it's been their quality team. They're going to be around the top of the MLS this year and the foreseeable future, you would imagine, as long as those three that we've mentioned keep performing like they have been, we'll see how they do this year. Now we're at the one and two spots, the top two spots in the league. Number two, we have New York City FC. Last year they finished first in the Eastern Conference. You got Maxi Morales, one of the best players in the MLS, and Alexander Ring, again, another very, very good player in the MLS, two of the best players in the MLS, Maxi Morales, was the assist king last year for the MLS. Sean Johnson still back in goal for New York City FC. Could this be the year they actually push towards MLS Cup? So very well could. They got a very talented team again. There's a very talented team. And I don't know. It could it could finally push towards it. But they'll have to get through the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody, Atlanta United. Atlanta United, ever since they've come to the league, have been a dominating force with Joseph Martinez being kind of the face of the MLS for the past few years. Him and Carlos Vela for LAFC, the two best players in the MLS by far. Those two are so, so dominant. Joseph Martinez, Ezekiel Barquio, Pity Martinez, 
extremely, extremely talented players. P.D. Martinez, according to a lot of Atlanta United fans, just in general, had a down year. In his first year coming up from from the Argentinian League, he had a down year. It wasn't a great year for him, but he does have great – he is a great player. He has MLB – he is an MLB cal- – not MLB, MVP caliber player. So we'll see how he does it this year. Going off of last year, Joseph Martinez, we don't need to talk about him. He's one of the best players in the MLS. Broke many, many records in the MLS. He's just going to continue going. And Ezekiel Barco, young player, very young player, very talented, very talented young player for them. He's going to be awesome. He's just an awesome player when he gets going. They got Brad Guzan, another one of the best goaltenders in the MLS. You got Brooks Lennon coming in. Will be a wing back this year. Miles Robinson, my my favorite to win the MLS Defender of the Year. This is a very talented team. And to me, it'd kind of be stupid not to pick Atlanta as the best team in the Eastern Conference. This team's just so good. Frank DeBoer, first season at the helm. Now, this is kind of the thing that happens with Thierry Henry going to Montreal. Frank DeBoer sucked over in England when he coached Crystal Palace. Got fired, goes to Atlanta, has success there. A lot of people's favorite to win coach of the year this year. Thierry could have the same thing. Sucked over in Europe, comes over here, maybe starts to build a good coaching resume, starting starting a, not to me, but viewed as the rest of the world as a lower league. Get your feet underneath you, move along like that. So see if that works out for him. But Atlanta is just a class above everybody in the Eastern Conference. Just like another team we'll talk about, but in the Western Conference coming up in a little bit. So here's my Eastern Conference standings projections. Going from 1 to 13, we got Atlanta, NYCFC, Toronto, Philadelphia, Columbus, D.C., New England Revolution, Inter-Miami, New York Red Bulls, Orlando City, Montreal, Chicago, and FC Cincinnati. So that's my Eastern Conference side of the MLS. We'll come back from this quick little break, talk about the Western Conference, and hopefully go over the playoffs as well. All that more coming up right after this.
celebrate my medals or they want to take my trophies. Some are loyal soldiers while these other thorns are rosy. And if you never know who you can trust, then trust me, you'll be lonely. Oh, are you ready for the sequel? Ain't ready for the latest in the garden of the how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Want to reach out to us? The number is 273-KULT. That's 273-5858. Can't you just pretend you like us? 94.5-KULT. Everything you and I. Friday edition of the Logan Blackwood Show. If you were listening the past hour, we have been going through our MLS 2020 season predictions, season 25 of the MLS, starting off tomorrow, first game coming at 12 tomorrow against DC United and the Colorado Rapids, and closing off on Sunday with the final matchup being Portland Timbers hosting Minnesota United. So we went through the Western, the Eastern Conference prediction standings. Right now, let's dive right into the Western Conference standings for the 2020 season. Now, starting off at 13, moving our way up to 1 like we did earlier with the Eastern Conference. Starting off at 13, we've got the Vancouver Whitecaps. The team that came last last year in the Eastern Conferences did not have a good year last year. They struggled a lot last year. Last season for Vancouver, 34 points on the season, 8 wins with a minus 22 Goal differential and scored 37 goals, which is the low in the Western Conference. Second lowest in the league. Thank you to FC Cincinnati for being <laughs> the lowest in the league. But Vancouver, I just don't see them. They didn't really make a lot of changes. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do this upcoming season. I really don't know what they'll do. I don't really have a lot of high expectations for them. I. I just don't know what to think about them. 
I really don't know what to think about them at all. I just have them going 13th. It's a very bland prediction, but that's just what I've got them going as. I mean, yeah. Christian Jones, Leonard Ousu. So I don't know. Those guys are going to make some differences for them, but I don't know if they'll make significant changes to their team this year, especially in a very strong Western Conference this year, spearheaded by LAFC and Seattle Sounders, who just won the MLS Cup last season. So we'll talk about them in a little bit. 12th, we have the Houston Dynamo. Yeah, I just, I don't know. They got a new head coach, Tab Ramos, U.S. men's national team legend. Has coaching experience, coached the U.S. under-20s team. I don't know how they'll be this year. They got Darwin Quintero from Minnesota United to add to their attack. See how he does in his first season. Lost to Marcus Beasley, but he was just uh, he was just retiring. He was just getting old. Legend of the franchise. But, yeah. Marco Marich will be the starting goalie for this new season for Houston Dynamo, losing Joe Willis this past season. Started 53 games over the past two seasons for the Houston Dynamo. Got a new goalie in there. See how he does in his first season? There aren't a lot of high expectations for the Houston Dynamo this year. They were a, a good home team this year, but struggled a little bit on the road, and that was basically their downfall. They did not have a fun year last year. That's why I have them finishing 12th this year. Moving up to 11th, they got the Colorado Rapids. Now, they finished 9th in the West last year. Kai Kamara, legend of the MLS, mostly with the the Columbus crew, played for the Vancouver Canucks, played for Sporting Kansas City. He's played all over the MLS pretty much. He's getting older, though, so we'll see how he can does at his old age. Still, they lost Tim Howard as well, another legend of the MLS. So now they're going this season with Clint Irwin as a starting goalie, a very experienced MLS goalkeeper. Played, been around the league before. Got Kellen Acosta there as well, one of the better holding midfielders. Very creative player for this team, but I just don't think they'll have enough to push on from last year. Now, again, finished ninth this year. I have them dropping two spots to 11th. Now we got another expansion franchise. We got Nashville coming in here at the 10 seed in the Eastern or in the Western Conference. Getting Walker Zimmerman was huge. Walker Zimmerman is one of the best defenders in the MLS. Has shirt up, has been one of the faces of LAFC. And that's coming from a defender. When you got attackers like Rossi and Vea, you got players like that, and you're one of the faces of the franchise. You're a talented defender. Very good U.S. international player. Probably the third on the U.S. men's national team defender depth chart, right behind John Brooks and Aaron Long, but still a very talented player. Dax McCarty's going to provide. A lot of experience in the middle of the field. Daniel Lovitz at left back is a very good get as well. You also got Dave Romney from the LA Galaxy. So you got an experienced middle defense right there. Joe Willis, experienced with the Houston Dynamo as well. So your defense is very, very experienced, I guess you could say. David Akam, another experienced MLS player. So you got some experience in there. So we'll see how they do in their opening season. I think 10th place is reasonable to expect from an opening season. I don't know if they'll be worse than that. They might be worse than that. They might come in last. I don't know because they're an expansion franchise, but they've got a lot of experience on this team. Their problem is going to be, I would guess, goals. I don't know what their goals are going to be like this year. Badgie, another decently experienced MLS player, but their defense is going to be the main focus of this team with Zimmerman, Romney, Lovitz, 
in their back line. At least that's what I would expect going into this new season. So I have Nashville coming in 10th. 9th, the San Jose Earthquakes. So San Jose, another staple franchise in the MLS, one of the original 10 teams, came 8th in the West last year, did not qualify for the playoffs, came 15th overall. Chris Wondolowski, still there, still kicking it, one of the, the greatest goal scorer in MLS history, the MLS all-time leading scorer. This will be his last season in the, in the MLS, we would fully expect. Will it be a good one for him? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. But Jackson Uwiel, one of the better players for the San Jose Earthquakes, had a nice little breakout season last year, saw himself play with the U.S. men's national team for a little bit. Very good passer of the ball. Christian Espinoza is their record signing, made his loan deal permanent this past offseason, was a really good winger in the MLS last year. But, yeah, I just have them. I just think they'll finish just outside the playoff spots in ninth place, right behind the team with the – Closest shot at making the playoffs but missing it, FC Dallas. They made the playoffs last year when not a lot of people really expected that from them. Finished seventh in the MLS last year. Again, one spot off the playoffs this year. Paxton Pomico, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name right. He's been a captain for the U.S. underage teams for many, many years. Has been called up to the U.S. men's national team a few times. He's a very talented player. Michael Barrios, another talented player. Another talented player so on the wing. So we'll see where they get their their scoring from. Their wing backs, Colin, Cannon and Hollingshead, are very experienced MLS goalie or MLS backs. Jesse Gonzalez, very good MLS goalie as well. And you also got Matt Hedges to sure up the middle of the defense. Cannon, one of the better prospects for the U.S. men's national team. We'll get a lot of playing time as he goes on with the U.S. men's national team. Hollingshead, a very experienced left back, but not going to get a lot of push towards national team calls. But Matt Hedges and Jesse Gonzalez, very good backs to back up on their defense. I just don't know where their goal scoring is coming from. They got Fafa Picault, who came over from the Philadelphia Union. He's been playing over in Germany for a while now. Very dynamic player, but I don't know if he they can rely on him to get goals from the wing. So I don't know what they're going to do with goals this year. I think their defense will be fine. Goals, that'll be a little bit of a struggle for them, so I have them coming eighth. Ninth, or um, moving backwards, seventh, I have Real Salt Lake. They came third in the Western Conference last year, but they lost Rick Ramon- Nick Romano. They lost Brooks Lennon to Atlanta. Two very talented staples of the franchise, especially in Nick Romano, one of the greatest goalies, if not the greatest goalie in MLS history. Nick Romano, undersized guy, but just kept pushing at it and is one of the best players in MLS ever. He just, he just is. Corey Baird's going to be their main vocal point of the offense. So he had a bad, He didn't have a great year last year. So we're hoping he comes in on fire coming into this year. He's going to be their best player. You would expect him to be their best player. You got Justin Glad at the center back spot, who will be a hopefully sure up the defensive the defensive stuff for Real Salt Lake and a new goalie in Zach McMath. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird looking at Real Salt Lake and seeing not Nick Romando in there. It's just going to be very, very weird. Kyle Beckerman's still there, but he's not going to see as much playing time as he has because like Romando, he's getting older. I would expect this to be Beckerman's last season. Legend of the MLS as well has got a lot of caps, for the, or not a lot, but a few, fair bit of caps for the United States men's national team. Played in a World Cup, 
has been to an MLS Cup final. One of the most recognizable people in the MLS with his dreadlocks. Now, he doesn't have them anymore, but when he did, very recognizable face. <laughs> very recognizable face. But yeah, I just have them. I have them in the playoffs, but at the seven seed this year. Number six, we have Minnesota United. Now, their striking option is going to be the interesting part of this team. They came fourth in the Western Conference last year. Darwin Quintero, Vito Minone, the goaltender of the year last year, who one of my friends, Noah, is a big Minnesota United fan. I made fun of Vito Minone so much going into last season because if you've known him, if you didn't know who Vito Minone is and watched him off last year, you would think he was actually a really good goaltender. No. He is one of the worst goaltenders I've ever seen in my entire life when he played over in England. Terrible goaltender, but played very, very well. This is last season with Minnesota United on loan. Couldn't agree to make his loan deal permanent, so he's gone. So he's gone. Darwin Quintero, also gone. They got Tyler Miller, experienced goaltender. Ike Oparo, one of the best defenders in the MLS. So we'll see how they do. Well, we will see how they do going into the season. Ozzy Alonso still there as well, experienced middle of the, middle of the field player. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going into the season. I think Tyler Miller's a very good get this offseason to sure up their goalie spot. I think sixth is a good spot for Minnesota United this season. The fifth spot, I have the Portland Timbers. Last season, Portland came sixth in the West. This year, I have a moving up one spot to fifth. Diego Valeri, Sebastian Blanco, Diego Chara, all still there. As, all, as long as those three are still there, they are still going to be a threat in the MLS. Those guys are very, very, very good players. You got Viafania at left back. Very, he's a decent option at left back. Steve Clark in goalie. And again, a very experienced MLS goaltender. Got a nice experience back there. So I have Portland coming off this season, one spot better than last year, coming in fifth. Fourth place, my biggest movers from this past offseason. You might call me biased. I don't really care. Sporting Kansas City coming in fourth. Last season, they came 11th. There is zero chance they come. I'm willing to bet there is zero chance they miss the playoffs this year. There is no way. They have to fire everybody if they miss the playoffs this year. I love Peter Vermees, but if they miss the playoffs with this talented team, all bets are off. It's like the Cubs of last year. If you miss the playoffs, it's done. You cannot miss the playoffs this year. They finally solved their striking problem. Ever since Dom Dwyer left, they've had a rotating thing at striker. Haven't had a nailed-on number nine until this year. Got Alan Polito, one of the best goal scorers in Liga MX. One of the best goal scorers in Liga MX. Mexican international will score a ton of goals for Sporting Kansas City. And on the wings, got Johnny Russell, Shallowy, Jerson... Gerso Hernandez, Gerso Fernandez. Jeez, I don't know why I was struggling with that so much. That's a very talented front three. And then you got Felipe Gutierrez in the midfield. Ilya Sanchez holding up play. You signed Winston Reed from West Ham, which when he's healthy is a awesome get. You got Roberto Punchek as well. Those are two very good defensive options there at center back to partner up Matt Beasler. Now you lost Benny Failhaber, you lost Nemeth, you lost Sinovich. But, hey, they weren't really doing a lot last year. All three of them are sporting legends. Nemeth's only played for sporting for two seasons in his career. But that first year he was there, awesome. Failhaber, legend. Sinovic, legend again. But Luis Martins, we would expect him to fill in that hole 
at left back. Zuzi's still there. Timelia's still there. Beasler's still there. Roger Espinoza's still there. This team has experience, and I cannot, I cannot picture an MLS playoff without this team in it. This team is just too talented to miss the playoffs this year. Yes, they came 11th last year, but there's no reason this team should not miss the play, should not make the playoffs this year. So I'm in the four seed. They might come somewhere below that, but I think the four seed for them this year is a solid choice for them. Number three, the LA Galaxy. Uh, staple, the best franchise in MLS history. Them and DC United, two greatest franchises in MLS history. The two biggest, best franchises ever. Met in the first ever MLS Cup. And now LA's looking to come back to more. They got Chicharito Hernandez this offseason, who is the runaway favorite to win Newcomer of the Year in the MLS. Javier Hernandez is one of my favorite players of all time. When he played for Manchester United, he was so fun to watch. He always had a smile on his face. He always played with so much fun. He scored the late goals, the important goals. Loved Javier Hernandez. Now he's going to LAFC, expecting to bang in goals there. Now the two biggest names in the Mexican national team are both in LA. LA Galaxy with Chicharito, LAFC with Carlos Vela. It's going to be a fun rivalry in El Trafico this year with Chicharito facing Carlos Vela and those two teams. Christian Pavon got his loan extended in this season, was awesome last year, so why they got him this year, got him on loan from last year, kept him again this year, great player. And the Jonathan Dos Santos, one of the best center midfielders in the MLS. Sebastian Legit also still there. Joe Corona's there. They're a very talented, talented team. And they're going to make some noise again. Dave Bingham is still there, goaltender. They're a good team, and Chicharito is going to make them better. They had Zlatan last year, but they might be more of a team with Chicharito than they were with Zlatan. Zlatan's a thousand times better player, but they might be more of a team. It's kind of like the situation with Sweden, where they were facing going in the World Cup last or 2018. Like, do you call up Zlatan? No, because we're a better team without Zlatan. We might, he's by far the best player. We were a better team without him. So we'll see how Chicharito does in his first season there. And now the final two spots for the Western Conference. You knew it was going to be down to these two teams. The reigning MLS Cup champions and the reigning Supporter Shield winners. in LAFC in Seattle. With the two seed, I have the Seattle Sounders. The reigning MLS Cup champs came second last year in the West. Are going to come second again. Nicholas Odero, Raul Rudiaz, Jordan Morris. Three of the best players in the MLS. Jordan Morris was the MLS Comeback Player of the Year last year. Ladero, one of the best playmakers in the MLS. Christian Roldan, a very talented player there as well. They just got talented players. Harry Ship, Will Bruin, a very experienced player. Stefan Fry, one of the greatest goaltenders in MLS history. They're a very talented team. I would. They are going to be pushing for another MLS Cup this year. They're just a good team. But in the regular season, it's hard to look past Los Angeles Football Club. LAFC, Carlos Vea, the best player in the MLS, creates goals, scores goals, just a great overall player. No one has done what Carlos Vea did last year. Best player in the league. He's like Connor McDavid in hockey. Just the best player. Him and Joseph Martinez are by far the two best players in soccer, in the MLS. Got Diego Rossi there as well, young Uruguayan winger. Very good 
winger there, young winger, Kenneth Vermeer. That is a great get at goalie. You you got rid of Tyler Miller going over to Minnesota United, trading him to Minnesota United. Now you got a very experienced Dutch goalkeeper in Kenneth Vermeer, played over in in the Netherlands for Feyenoord, I believe, for many, many years. They're just going to be a great team. They're just a good overall team. There's, I could not envision a world where they come below first again. They're just that good. Edward Atutesta, one of the best holding midfielders in the MLS, was one of the best players last year, was in the MLS Best 11 last year. Latif Blessing, they're gonna, he's a very versatile player, formerly of sporting. Now he's over here in LAFC. They're just going to be the best team in the league again. Whether they win the MLS Cup or not this year, they're going to be the best team in the regular season. I could not envision that where they're not the best team in the regular season. So here's my Western Conference standings. LAFC, Seattle, LA Galaxy, Sporting Kansas City, Portland Timbers, Minnesota United, Real Salt Lake, FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes, Nashville SC, Colorado Rapids, Houston Dynamo, and Vancouver Whitecaps. That is my Western Conference predictions. Now we look at the playoffs. For the Eastern Conference, we'd have matchups between the Philadelphia Union and Columbus, Columbus Crew. NYFC versus New England Revolution. Toronto versus D.C. In those games, I'm going to have Columbus upsetting Philadelphia in Philly to win that game there. NYFC FC beating New England and Toronto beating D.C. United. Going over to the Eastern Conference, we'd have Sporting Kansas City versus Portland. Seattle Sounders versus Real Salt Lake. And the L.A. Galaxy going up against Minnesota United. We have all the home teams winning there. Sporting beating Portland. Seattle beating Real Salt Lake in L.A. defeating Minnesota. So meeting up for second-round matchups between Atlanta United and Columbus Crew and NYCFC and the Toronto... Nothing. Toronto FC. I'm going to have Atlanta beating Columbus and Toronto beating NYCFC with a rematch of last year's conference finals. And then for the Eastern Conference, LAFC sadly taking down Sporting Kansas City. And the Seattle Sounders taking on the LA Galaxy. I know, very boring because it's the exact same conference matchup, conference final matchup we had last year. Atlanta versus Toronto, LAFC versus Seattle. But this time, the home teams will prevail. With Atlanta beating Toronto and LAFC beating Seattle and the MLS Cup final, I'm going to go with Atlanta winning. And I did not know this until I looked it up earlier. The final in the MLS Cup final, the first one was 3-2. to two. This one... 3-2, Atlanta United over LAFC. Pity Martinez takes away MLS Cup MVP. Atlanta crowned the 2020 MLS Cup champions. That's my predictions for the playoffs. Now for the awards, Supporter Shield, again, much like last year, LAFC. Overall, very talented player, or very talented team. Just LAFC wins the Supporter Shield. MVP, again, between Joseph Martinez and Carlos Vea. Just between those two. So I think MVP, I have it written down as Joseph Martinez. I'm going to change it to Carlos Vea. He's just an all-around great player. He's like Connor, like I said, Connor McDavid. There's other people that are going to be competing for the MVP, but they're not the real best player. Charles Barkley said that about Jordan. He's like, I might have won MVP, but I was not the best player in the league. I was not better than Michael. It's like that. Joseph Martinez, there is like, Three tiers of players. It goes Carlos Vea in Tier 1, Joseph Martinez in Tier 2, everyone else in Tier 3. Like Those two are just a step above everybody, but Carlos Vea is a step above Martinez. Very close, but Carlos Vea. Golden boot goes to Joseph Martinez, and the assist king is Carlos Vea this year. 
in my opinion. It's going to be close for the MVP, but I'm going to give it to Carlos Vea. Newcomer of the year, Javier Hernandez. It's the obvious pick. Chicharito wins it for the LA Galaxy. Rookie of the year, Henry Kessler for the New England Revolution. Defender of the year, Miles Robinson. You're on the you're the the star center back for the best team in the MLS, winning MLS Cup. You have to walk away with the MLS Defender of the Year. In my that's what I would think. That's what I would think. Goaltender of the Year, Brad Guzan, winning it with MLS. He just signed a new deal with Atlanta United. Gets Goaltender of the Year this year. Coach of the Year, I have Caleb Porter for the Columbus Crew, missing the playoffs last year. If you get a, a you make the playoffs, not only that, you win your first playoff matchup. Caleb Porter, I think, would have to win Coach of the Year. Frank DeBoer is going to be mentioned as well. Bob Bradley is going to get talked about as well. But I think Caleb Porter's got it there. Comeback Player of the Year, I didn't have one. I stole this one off MLS.com. Milton Valenzuela from Columbus Crew. The left back, very talented young left back. See how he does coming back off a torn ACL this year. And my MLS Best 11. Now for the MLS Best 11, it's a 3-4-3 is the formation they use. So goaltender, Brad Guzan, defensive, uh, the de- defensive team is Graham Zuzi. I'm going for sporting player there. Get him in there. Miles, Robin- Miles Robinson from Atlanta and Aaron Long from the New York Red Bulls. Midfield, Alejandro Puzello from Toronto. Maxi Morales from NYCFC. Carlos, G- Carlos Gil from New England Revolution and Pity Martinez from Atlanta. And the forwards, I think this one's the most obvious one you could pick. Carlos Vea, Joseph Martinez, and Javier Hernandez for your front line for the MLS Best 11. Man, I am so excited for the 2020 MLS season. It is going to be an absolute blast of a season. I, for one, cannot wait. I'm very excited, if you cannot tell. We did a whole hour and a half segment of the show just talking about the MLS I'm extremely excited, so I hope all of you tune into the games. Find an MLS team if you don't have one. I would recommend joining Sporting Kansas City. We're the best team in the MLS. Record-wise, no, but best overall team. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun season starting tomorrow. Again, I'll go through the matchups again. DC United versus Colorado. Montreal Impact versus New England. Houston versus LA Galaxy. San Jose versus Toronto. FC Dallas versus Philadelphia. Orlando City versus Real Salt Lake. Nashville against Atlanta and Vancouver against Sporting. All of those games will be tomorrow. Sunday, we got Columbus against NYCFC. New York Red Bulls against FC Cincinnati. Seattle Sounders versus Chicago Fire. LAFC hosting Inter-Miami. And the Portland Timbers taking on Minnesota United. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. Come back. We don't have a lot of time left in today's show. But uh, we'll try to fit all this stuff in. We got XFL Week 4 coming up. We got some college basketball to talk about as well. The Combine was last night. I don't know how we're going to get all this stuff in. We're not going to, but we'll leave all of it for a lot of it for more come Monday. But with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back, though, very, very shortly. Hello, hello. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I hope that you're missing me, cause it makes me feel young. Hello, hello, last time that I saw your face was recess in second grade, and it made me feel young. Won't you help me sober up, growing up it made me numb, and I wanna feel something again. Won't you help me sober up, all the big kids, they got drunk. 
goodbye. I said to my bestest buds, we said that we keep in touch, and we did our best. All my new friends, we smile at party time, but soon we forget to smile at anything else. Won't you help me sober up? down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would of course prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Visit beready.iowa.gov and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by Ready Iowa, FEMA, and the Ad Council. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Your new excuse to not pay attention during class. <clears throat> you didn't hear that from us. We're KULTFM. Everything you and I. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer.
a mean, mean pride. Welcome back, everybody. It is 1.40 right now, Central Time here. I don't know what that was. I don't know why that played. You're not supposed to play. I had you turned off. You're not supposed to play. You ruined Tom Sawyer for everybody that was listening. They made me all sad. But yeah, we are here. We got about 20 minutes left, 19 minutes left, and we got a lot more stuff to talk about. So we're going to push all the NFL stuff to Monday because Mock Draft 2.0 is coming out on Monday. So might as well just push all the NFL stuff that we had to talk about to Monday because they'll make more sense because we talked about the MLS. We got some basketball stuff we have to talk about. We have to talk about some basketball stuff. So that being said... Uh, let's dive right in. So you and I men's team, they are on the road tomorrow night against the Drake Bulldogs. Now, the game against Drake is going to be a tough one. Drake, right now at this point in the season, is 18-12, 8-9 in the conference, but are 14-1 at home. They're 14-1 at home. Let that sink in. They're 14 and or wait, that doesn't add up at all. I haven't, it's been a while since I did. I tried to do that off memory, but that doesn't add up at all. How's their their overall record doesn't match their home record? I think I might have that written down wrong. I gotta go and look at that real quick. Fourteen and one. That doesn't make sense at all. They're fourteen and one. At, oh, they got neutral zone. Co- okay, I'm stupid. But yeah, <laughs> fourteen and one at home, two and ten on the road. They are a very bad road team. Now, they took it to you and I. They played very good against you and I back on February 8th, 20 days ago. Played very, very well. Took you and I to the final minutes of the game. You and I won by 10. It's a, it's a little unfair result for the Drake Bulldogs. They did not lose really by 10. It was really like a one-possession game. Drake couldn't make any shots in the end. They kept fouling you and I. They made their free throws. In the game for Drake, Liam Robbins, 17.6 rebounds for him. Also, three blocks in the game, DJ Wilkins, 16 points. Anthony Murphy, 15. And Roman Penn with 12 points and 8 assists for you and I. AJ Green, one point off his career high for the UNI Panthers. 34 points. Had three assists and four rebounds as well. Went 12 of 21, shooting absolutely unplayable in the first time these two teams met. Absolutely unplayable. Burhau played 18 minutes, or had scored 18 points, had four rebounds as well. Haldeman, 12 points in the game, five rebounds as well. Went three of three shooting, two of two from three. They just had a good game all around. One of those threes was pretty much from the center court line. They played very well against Drake. They struggled early, but came back in the second half, played very, very well. And Austin Fife didn't have a great game in this one. Had eight points, had five rebounds, was in foul trouble, had four fouls, also had five turnovers into the game. And Isaiah Brown... Seven points, two or three shoot, struggled shooting the ball in this game. Seven points, but had two rebounds in the game as well. Pickford and Dahl both had two points off the bench with Dahl getting six rebounds to Pickford's four. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. The Nap Center is supposed to be sold out. So, that'll be a very fun game. Again, Drake 14 and 1 at home this year. 14 and 1. What does this mean for you and I? You and I, if they win this game, that means they have locked up the sole possession of first place in the Valley. They're the undisputed, unchallenged, best team in the Valley. Because if they lose and Loyola wins, 
they will tie for the Missouri Valley Conference title. You and I will still get the one seed because their net is extremely higher than that of Loyola's. But they won't have the out <clears throat> the outright regular season title. Now, if they beat Drake, that's all doesn't matter. But if they lose, they're going to also need Loyola to lose to Bradley, which is very likely because Bradley at home, the Missouri Valley teams, you and I is the only team that has above 500 record at home and are on the road in the Missouri Valley Conference. Loyola on the road is four and it's six, and Bradley's 15 and one at home. So this is going to be a very tough matchup for Loyola. So, but if you and I wins, then it doesn't matter. This is the old saying where it goes, control what you can control. That's what this is about, all about. Because if they win, it doesn't matter. If they lose, they're going to need Bradley to help them out in here. But again, control what you can control. So you and I is locked up the number one seed, essentially. So if Bradley beats Loyola, that will make it interesting to see who gets second place in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Indiana State and Southern Illinois, both 10-7 and seven right now. Valpo's 9-8. and eight. Drake, 8-8. Eight 8-9, eight. Eight tied with Missouri State. So the whoever comes in last, whoever lose if Drake loses against you and I, they are in risk of playing in that eight nine game against Illinois State, which for you and I that's going to be a tough tough game. I would much rather have Missouri State in that eight nine game playing against Loyola Indiana State that, or Illinois State than Drake. Missouri State plays at home to Southern Illinois, so I'm not liking the chances of Missouri State losing this game because Southern Illinois, for as good as they are at home. They are not very good on the road, which I guess you could say that about every Valley team, bar you and I. But Southern Illinois, 3-9 and nine on the road this year. Drake, by far, is the worst conference team on the road, minus Illinois State, who has not won a game on the road this year. Drake's 2-10 and 10 on the road this year. Illinois State may be moving to 0-12 because they play Evansville this week. Evansville might get their first win of the season. With that being said, let's look at you and I's last game against Evansville on, se- on well, I guess not senior night, but Todd Licklider appreciation night. His re- triumphant return to the state of Iowa. Evan Coleman for Evansville led the team in scoring with 13. Same with Jawan Newton, who also had 13 points in the game. Evan Coleman had three, went three of five shooting from the field, also had four assists. A.J. Green led the team in scoring with 21 points. Trey Burhow had 16. Isaiah Brown had 12. Austin Five had 10 with three rebounds. And Spencer Haldeman had seven. But the real guy who dominated this game was Noah Carter. Played very, very good off the bench this game. Scored 11 points in this game. Also had two steals in the game. When 2-4 shooting three, it was Austin Five only played 21 minutes because Carter was just balling out. Great game from Noah Carter, and then Taiwan Pickford, four points, three rebounds in the game. And Lincoln Connery, a senior, went one of one shooting, one of one from three, drained a three in the corner for his final home game of his UNI career. Great stuff there. That, that made the the McLeod Center erupted when that happened. Luke McDonald also shot a three. I think the place would have exploded if he made the three as well. I really wanted Justin Dahl to shoot a three. That's been my goal the entire season was Justin Dahl to shoot a three. He didn't shoot one that night, but we still got a lot of games left. We've, we've still got a lot of games left before we could mark off Dahl making a three for this season. I mean, we still got that chance. Well, it's a big show. Oh, no. Oh, it's a big bad show tonight. I mean, we got very limited time today. I don't know why we're doing this right now. Well, I guess we got... I guess we got unit of the week to announce. So yeah, as I said, we got some, we got some units that we got some competition. 
We've got four people that are in the running for this. It's going to be big. This week's Unit of the Week nominees are Austin Fife for his dominating game, 17 and 18 game, also five assists against Southern Illinois. Nate Stanley, because if you saw that snowball video, there was a great, a great. I have a screenshot of Nate Stanley. It's friggin' awesome. And then the backflip dude at the basketball game. This big old dude just did a bunch of back, did a backflip. And then, but the Unit of the Week. Natane Moody, Fresno State guard. Goodness gracious. This dude is the unit of the week. Unchallenged this week. So this, <laughs> Natane Moody, Moody uh, he says he polished off a 10 by 10 at in and out had 10 slices of beef and 10 slices of cheese. He finished it off, and he said it was his third time at In-N-Out. It was just curious how much patties they would give him. Very yummy. And then also, to go with that, if that wasn't enough for being a unit, he put up 44 reps on bench press. 44 reps on bench press. First off, I don't know how his heart didn't explode when he ate the 10 by 10 pat, the 10 by 10 burger. But then he reps off 44. Goodness gracious. Tani Moody, you are this week's Logan Blackman Show unit of the week. Congratulations. being said let's move on we got more stuff to talk about congratulations again Natani Moody that's a big old that's a big old burger that's a lot of that's a bunch of bench press reps as well I don't know how he did both of those because those two should not inter be intertwined with each other that is just an insane amount of two things that are one is healthy one is extremely unhealthy and can cause arteries to clog by just looking at them but congratulations that's just impressive stuff there this was a good week for units all around the United States. But yeah, you and I plays tomorrow night, the men's team against the Drake Bulldogs at a sold-out nap center at 5 tomorrow. If you don't go to the game, it'll be on ESPN2, so make sure you tune into that one. There are listening to it live on News Talk 1540 KXEL tomorrow to make sure you catch the game against Drake. This is for you and I to get, this, get sole possession of the Missouri Valley Conference title. Now, even if they lose, they still have a chance to get it, but just control what you can control and beat Drake tomorrow. The women's side, they're on a two-game road streak or two-game road stretch against Valparaiso and Loyola. The last game you and I women's team played was last Saturday where they upset Bradley 64-57. to Now they're on the road against Valpo. Valpo 15-10, 7-7 the conference, 7-4 at home. You and I 6-6 on the road this year. Valpo has won four of its last five games, though. You and I has been very streaky as of late in their last few games. They won, lost, won, lost, won, lost, won. So they're very streaky as of right now. 
And two of those three games for Valpo were on the road. They went two and one in those games. So Valpo's going into this game very confident. Very, very confident. But the last time these two teams played, the women's team for you and I should be the confident one, winning 77-70 over Valpo. And they beat Loyola as well that same weekend, 70-50, to playing both of them this upcoming weekend. The game tonight is at 6. You can catch it on ESPN Plus or listen to it on, again, News Talk 1540 KXEL. And the game on Sunday will take place at 1, also be on ESPN Plus. And the final game of the regular season for the women's side will take place next Friday. Well, the UNI men's team is in St. Louis for Arch Madness. They'll be playing Drake Friday night at 6.30 on ESPN+. Plus. It's senior night. It's also a gold out as well. So rock your gold UNI gear for that game. Scores from across the state of Iowa. We got Iowa and Iowa State in action tomorrow. Iowa will be taking on Penn State in a top 25 matchup at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Iowa currently sits in sole possession of sixth place in the Big Ten Conference standings with 10-7 and seven record. Now there's a log jam for second place. There's a four-way tie for second, 11-6 with Penn State, Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin. So Iowa could really blow that up by beating Penn State on Saturday. Iowa undefeated at home this year. Penn State are at home in Big Ten play, not overall. Penn State, a very good road team, one of the few teams in the Big Ten to have a plus 500 road record this season. Them, Michigan State, and Illinois are the only teams in the Big Ten to have a plus 500 record on the road this year. Iowa, 13-1 and at home. See if the Hawkeyes can get it done over Penn State. Had a tough one against Michigan State, but couldn't get it done in the end. So we'll see how the Hawks do in that game. The game will be tomorrow at 11 at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. If you don't go to the game, which it's sold out, so it's going to be a hard one to go to. The game, what the heck happened there? That's not who I wanted to do. The game will be on ESPN, or on Big Ten Network. I looked at Penn State's next game. On Big Ten Network tomorrow at 11. The Iowa State Cyclones, they're in action tomorrow against Oklahoma State in a Big 12 matchup on the road. Iowa State has not won a single game on the road this year. Oklahoma State has been in a little bit of nice form as of late. Starting off very, very bad, has rallied off some very good victories, beating Oklahoma and Texas Tech in two of their last five games, or three and five, three and two in the last five. The significance of them beating Oklahoma and Texas Tech, those are two teams Iowa State got absolutely slaughtered by. Got beat by Oklahoma 90 to 61 and Texas Tech 87 to 57. Their Oklahoma State's a 72% chance to win this game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. It's gonna be a tough one for Iowa State. And it's weird. Because Oklahoma State, not very good. One game worse in the conference than Iowa State. I think Iowa State has a better chance of beating West Virginia than they do against Oklahoma State. They play West Virginia at home on the 3rd of March. West Virginia, ever since beating Iowa State earlier, they've won one in their last six. Now, granted, two of those games were against Kansas and Baylor, but the other ones, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, those are all very winnable games. So going to Iowa State, I, that's weird to say, but I think Iowa State's got a better chance of beating West Virginia than they do Oklahoma State. Which might sound backwards, I don't know, but Iowa State not winning a single road game all season, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to beat Oklahoma State this week. So with that being said, let's look at the scores from around the Missouri Valley, Big Ten and Big 12. For the Missouri Valley, all of their games will be taking place tomorrow. We got Loyola against Bradley tomorrow at 1. They'll be on ESPN 3. Illinois State taking on Evansville. Evansville looking for their first conference win of the season. 
Illinois State, zero wins on the road this year. So this is a very good chance for Evansville to do that. Valparaiso will be taking on Indiana State. Southern Illinois will be going to Missouri State. And you and I will be going to Drake at the Knapp Center in Des Moines, which will be on ESPN2 in front of a sold-out Knapp Center. That will be an extremely fun game to watch tomorrow night. Reminder, catch that on ESPN2 or on News Talk 1540 KXEL. Going to the Big Ten, I've already said Iowa is in action tomorrow night against Penn State, or tomorrow morning against Penn State. We had 11 on the Big Ten Network, and then Michigan State in Maryland meeting up. Maryland undefeated at home this year. The game will be tomorrow night at 7 on ESPN in the Xfinity Center. We got games on Sunday as well. This is where a majority of the Big Ten games will take place. We have Indiana at Illinois, Michigan at Ohio State, which will be at 3 on CBS. They'll be on Sunday. Northwestern at Nebraska, and then Minnesota going to Wisconsin. And then for the Big 12 action, most of them, I think all of their games are on Saturday. We got Texas going to Texas Tech. They'll be on ESPN at 11. Kansas will be traveling to Kansas State, which will be on CBS at 12.30 tomorrow. Kansas, the top of the Big 12 right now. Kansas State, dead last in the Big 12. Weird game to put on CBS, but it's Kansas, so we'll put them on there. Baylor will be going to TCU. They'll be on ESPN at 1. Oklahoma will be traveling to West Virginia. They'll be on ESPN 2 at 3. And then Iowa State and Okie State will be playing on ESPNU at 3 o'clock as well. So we got about two minutes left in today's program. But before we go, Joe Lenardi released his latest bracketology for today. And he had Iowa and you and I both in it, obviously. He had you and I a 12 seed taking on Michigan State. The winner of that game would play either Louisville or Vermont in the one seed beating Kansas. That would be in the Midwest bracket. And then for Iowa, has them taking on Cincinnati as a six seed. The winner of that taking on Seton Hall or Hofstra. And they'd have to play Dayton in the Sweet 16 if that's the two seed there. They're in the eastern side. San Diego State is the one seed of that side of the bracket. So, yeah. Very exciting stuff coming up this weekend. MLS starts off this weekend. The college basketball games this weekend are going to be a blast. You and I versus Drake, Iowa versus Penn State, Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. All of those teams, very talented teams, very close games that we could have this weekend. Uh, I'm trying not to laugh, but it's hard to because you never know what could happen. You never, you never know. But this is for you and I to lock up sole possession of first place in the Valley, so hopefully they do that. Make sure you tune into the women's game, which takes place tonight at 6. Catch it on ESPN Plus or live on News Talk 1540 KXEL. Game will be tonight at 6 at Valparaiso and also be playing on Sunday at 1 against Loyola at Loyola. So that is all we've got for this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It was a fun one. I'm very excited for this weekend's action in sports. going to be fun. We got more combine action taking place tonight. This Tonight we got the kickers, special teamers, O-linemen, and running backs. So make sure you tune to that tonight. Had a fun night watching the combine last night. Henry Ruggs, 4-2-7-40. He also had above 40-inch vert. He had a 42-inch vert. Since 2006, no player at the combine has had a sub-340, 4-3-40, and over a 40-inch vertical. He had one drop in college. He's a great route runner. He might have just shot himself up into a top 10 pick, or at least in that conversation. 
It'll be interesting to see where Ruggs go. He's not going past 15. I can guarantee you that. But we'll talk about all that and more coming up on Monday. For that being said, I'm your host, Logan Blackman. This is the Logan Blackman Show, and we are signing off today. See you guys at Monday, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 12 to 2. Go listen to this on the Spotify account. Go follow the Spotify account, and I will see you on Monday. Peace.